All right, Acts 16. This is a very familiar passage, but the message is waiting on God tonight. Um, Some things are always hard to explain in the ministry. Like, why this? Why now? Or why did this happen to me? There are many questions that we have in our life. But waiting on God, it's something I have a hard time doing. I'm a, I like to get to the point. I like to get things done. I don't like to wait. But you know what? Sometimes God builds us better when we wait than when we, if we were trying to do something ourselves. And we'll see here, Paul, he's coming off a bunch of success. If we read Acts 16 and verse 5. And so were the churches established in the faith. And it increased in number, not weekly, not monthly, but daily. Daily. So, he's on a run. He's on a roll. Lord's blessing... But then, the Holy Spirit tells them to stop, to wait. Why? And that's what we're going to be looking at here in uh, verses 6 to 10 here. Now, when they had gone through out Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia... After they were come to Myasia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed by Myasia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So here we have the Holy Spirit forbidden them. And then the Spirit suffered them not. Two different words. And a lot of times, even, even in Liberia, guess what? Sometimes the Lord shuts the doors on things. Sometimes... We have to wait a little while for a door to open. I remember when God called me into the ministry. That was when I was 16 years old. It was 34 when we decided to go. The Lord finally opened the door for us to go on debutation. That's 18 years. I could have gotten a lot done in 18 years, right? But God has his perfect time in our lives. Uh, Before we go more into the message, uh, let's open up it with a word of prayer here tonight. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for being here, Lord, and uh, being with your your church here, Lord. And uh, I just want to thank you, Lord, for just being able to uh, be called faithful to to open up your word, Lord, and to teach and to preach. And I pray, Lord, now that you would just uh, 
lay on people's hearts and open up the hearts, Lord, here to your word, Lord, tonight. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. In September 21st, 1956, there was uh, a pilot at Rich. He is flying an F-11 F Tiger jet airplane. He flew out actually from Long Island, not too far from here. And he was just going to do a weapons test. So he ascended up to 20,000 feet, fired his cannons all the way down to 13,000 feet. He was going Mach 1 at the time. That's roughly 725 miles per hour. Then he descended all the way down to 13 feet, 13,000 feet, and 11 seconds later, something hit his windshield. He thought it was a bird. Then he couldn't accelerate his engine. He never made it back. The plane never made it back to the airport. What had happened is what they found out later is the bullets that he shot actually hit his own plane. The first one hit the nose of the plane, the second one hit his cockpit window, and the third one hit his right engine. The plane never made it back. Well, you would think that the U.S. Air Force would learn from its mistake and not do that. Well, it actually happened three other times. But I can't help but wonder Does that happen when we get ahead of God? We shoot our own foot. We mess things up. We can look at Joseph and his life. He had a dream that all his brothers would be bowing down to him. But yet, if you you would read about his life, There's a man that met him in the field that told him where his brothers were. When he found his brothers, they threw him into a pit. But there just so happened that a caravan came by to where he wouldn't be killed. He'd be sold to them. And it just so happens that he was sold to somebody who was working for the king, who put him in the right prison to talk to the right people to interpret a couple of the dreams. Now, so much work goes into the ministry. But so many times, we tend to shoot ourselves in the foot. When God is bringing people through a trial, we tend to like to help them out of that trial. Somebody's in a pit we try and lower a ladder down for them so they they can get out of the pit. That didn't happen for Joseph. And in doing so, we rob future generations of spiritual growth and spiritual blessings by doing so. But Paul here, guess what? They gave heed to the Holy Spirit. That word forbidden there, it means prevent. And you know what? It's a verb there. That means it was taking action, preventing them 
from going. We don't know exactly what it was. It could have been a war. It could have been pestilence. It could have been many other things preventing them from going to Asia. But they listened. They listened to the Spirit. In Liberia, about a couple months after Pastor Weiss left, we were kicked out of the meeting place that we were meeting in by, uh, by a Muslim. We were meeting there for free. Didn't cost anything. We had a bunch of young men that we were trying to train there. And you know what? That was discouraging to them. It was discouraging a little bit for me as well. I was just like, what do I tell Pastor Weiss? Where are we going to meet now? Are all the men that we're training just going to leave? They hadn't known me for very long. But then I read this passage in Acts 16. And I was just like, you know what? The Lord is trying to use this. He's not just trying to grow us. He's trying to use this as, as if you will, a, a test. To test those who were with us. Are they going to stick it out with us? Now, for six weeks, you saw that beach picture. We met on that beach praying that the Lord would either give us a place or move us on, one of the two. There was a lady there that, uh, I think it was two weeks before Easter in 2021. She was discouraged, walking along the beach. She was hating life. Her husband had died. Her oldest son had died several years prior. But then she saw our service going on on the beach. And she joined us there. And after the service, she, was just, she came to us and she was like, I would like to have your church in my house. And I was just like, okay. After seeing most of the, most of the houses there, I was just like, you become kind of skeptical what their house is. But after seeing the house, I was just like, wow, this is ten times better than where we were meeting. But you know what? Not only that, it wasn't the house that was most important. She was looking for answers to life. And uh, three weeks later, she would get saved. Several months after that, her son got saved. And those that were baptized, three of them were her sons and daughters. See, when we wait, there's a reason why things happen. We would have probably never found her where she was. 
But God brought her to us. But you know what? It also helped grow the young men that we were trying to train. They were so excited to have the place where we're meeting. Not only that, but she owns more land next to her. And she wants to give it to us to start a church there in her community. The church, the people that are coming, have already raised enough for the building. Or temporary building. No. I could never have done that myself. As an American, I could have gone and rented a place. It doesn't cost very much to rent anything there. Maybe because I'm American, I'd pay double. But typically, it wouldn't have cost me anything. But it would have cost me maybe fellowship with God. Fellowship with some of the young men that were training. And a lot of the missionaries there were just kind of like, oh yeah, just rent a place. It'll be fine. They'll still come. But you know what? I'm robbing them of their spiritual growth. So, as we continue reading here, we see that Paul... They were forbidden. They were suffered not by the Spirit. But yet, there's another way that God provided for them. Now, God didn't give me you know, a dream that this lady would come by. But we were waiting. And that was hard at the time. I had just taken over for Pastor Weiss. Just had our kid. And there's lots of other pressure there. The radio station, family, all this. But I told the men there that we were working with. After all this had came about. That, see, God has a way. He has a plan for our lives. Don't jump ahead of him. Now look at verse 10 again here. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, losing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothrace, Thracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. I want you to notice in verse 10, the assuredly gathering. We work as a team over there. And 
you know, the Bible says they went two by two. And I'm glad we worked that way because we wouldn't have lasted a month over there with everything that goes on. But that assuredly gathering, that means being knit together. You're wearing clothes that are knit together. Something that's useful. Now, they were trusting in Paul. That, guess what? They were putting their life on the line with Paul. Assuredly, they didn't have a doubt in their mind that this is the way that they were supposed to go. Not one single doubt. That same word is in uh, Colossians 2.2, and I'll just read it to you here. That their hearts might be comforting, being knit together. It's the exact same word as assuredly gathering. Being knit together in love. And then to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. So they found the other door. They didn't hesitate to go. It says immediately. I bet they were excited to go. I'm always excited to go. I've been in several different countries. Uh, I think my wife is listening right now. But when I was working a regular job, I was itching to go to the mission field, whatever chance I had. And two years typically was too long for me. Now, what does it take to wait on God? It takes faith. Whatsoever is not in faith is what? Sin. Sin. Some people ask me, well, what is faith? There's an animal in Africa. I got to be careful here. I, I made sure all these facts were right. Because I know there's a lot of people that have been in South Africa and Botswana here. But there's an animal in Africa. It can d- jump higher than a basketball hoop at a span of 30 feet and can run 45 miles per hour. But with all those abilities, zoos love them and farmers can keep them out of their crops very easily. Guess how? They just build a three and a half foot tall fence, solid fence, because they never jump over whatever they can't see what's on the other side. They have all these abilities, but yet they won't jump. And sometimes, as Christians, guess what? We get scared. There are times in our life where we don't want to step out immediately into that door. It's a scary feeling. It's unknown what's on the other side. But that is what faith is. It's not knowing what's on the other side. 
of that door when you go through. But we have a God that we can trust. But then, if we would look further into the chapter, because they waited, guess what? They would run into Lydia, the seller of purple. But this is also the passage where you would find the Philippian jailer. So they got two families that would be saved here. But it wasn't without a physical cost. And serving in the ministry is what? It takes a physical cost. There's a physical toll that it takes on missionaries, on pastors, all those in other ministries, the heads. It can be very taxing sometimes. I know of some other missionaries. They were on the mission field, and they looked like they were in their 80s when they were really only in their 60s. I'm not talking about uh, George here. Yeah, just like that. No, just kidding. But it takes, it takes a physical toll. We had some stuff happen to us in Liberia while this stuff was going on. Stuff where we might have to emergency fly back. That was very serious. But when we, when we wait on God, and when we, when we go through the doors, just like in Paul's case, he blessed. Beyond measure. Amen. Good. And I can't tell you what the blessing that family is to us. We never have to decorate for holidays. We never have to clean the place. They are so excited to have a church there. They are a huge blessing, a a constant encouragement. And they're a constant reminder to me on the great blessings of waiting on God. But just, I want to pour out one more thing here at the end of the chapter. And this is after they had... uh, are out of jail. But notice we're going to start in 39. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they, being the ones who were with Paul, they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia, the cell of purple. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Who did the comforting here? Any guesses? Who did the comforting? You have a Bible college here, right? Who did the comforting? Bible college students? Do you have any here? (laughs) 
Was it a person or was it God? Who gives us the spirit? So many times we look at the physical. Oh, who did this? Oh, who did that? But you know what? Who's the comforting spirit? It's God. The comforter. So when you're waiting on God, not only do you get another direction, not only do you see the blessings, but you also get the comforter. He comforts you through everything. And he is such a blessing. 